in the night Your heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed You'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Well hello and welcome to Freaky Friday Where we tell your odd but true stories Today's Friday, February 10th, 2023 and we have got a lineup of, including a story that was jaw-dropping. My jaw dropped. It You messaged separately and we're like, I'm not, you'll read it. You'll hear it on the show. Dropped right down to the ground. Yeah. A lot of these uh, today are what would I do in that situation questions. And shout out to everybody that sent a story in before. Several of these also mentioned, oh, I heard this story on your show. It made me remember this thing that happened to me. So yet again, sharing and vulnerability. And we've had uh, people messaging that have shared stories previously saying how powerful it is to hear their story to them. So thanks to everybody. Sharing begets sharing. Sharing begets sharing. Yeah, I like that Freaky Friday's become a place for people to get a lot of stuff off their chest. It's not just, hey, this is so scary and it happened to me, but it seems like a lot of people are able to kind of start a healing journey through like talking about it and knowing that they're not alone and others have gone through it. So I love that this has turned into something more than when we were at that Mexican food restaurant that night drinking margaritas. Like, let's just talk about freaky listener stories on Fridays. Now it's become like this healing journey for so many. So I love it. I agree. It's like you were talking about with Jack Anton. I'm saying when you start something, you don't know how it's going to end. We were like, maybe we'll get stories about Bigfoot's dick, TBD. But still looking for that, everybody. <laughs> Always. <laughs> but it's nice that it you it's y'all. We're, we do this for you. And so if this is what you've turned it into, I'm here for the ride. I'm here to be a part of it. I have no expectation. All I have is just an open heart. I want to listen. I'm ready for it. And I appreciate y'all. Speaking of Bigfoot's dick. Um, yes. Gonna go Bigfoot hunting when we're yes. in Portland yes. in a couple weeks on tour. Our yes. first stops are Tacoma and Portland, March 7th and 8th. We're yes. very excited. Tickets for all shows are now available. So go to sinisterhood.com slash live shows. If we're coming to a city near you, if we're not, maybe we'll be coming soon. We're going to announce some more cities soon. Oh, but I also want to say we have... We have a listener flying from Australia to Why? just come see our show. I could cry thinking about that. I know. I. It's funny because I think of people that I love, like uh, artists and creators that I love, and I think, oh, I would be so dorky if I did this. But on the recipient side, I'm like, that's the most amazing thing. It makes you feel so loved. But then my concern is now as the creator is how excited can I be about you, the listener, without coming across as a creepy weirdo of like, what are you doing later? Do you want to hang out? And they're like, oh, my, no. You know, it's like, oh, we're cool no, with just thanks, you being on mate. stage. I'm going to go back <laughs> and put you. a shrimp on the barbie. Oh, I have this fosters myself in the back. You go backstage, keep it professional, not needing to hang out. Uh, I don't know, maybe wrong. Uh, but that's amazing. And you're right. We're going to hunt Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. We have so many cities we're coming to. And the show is not, it's something different. It's not what we've done before. If you've seen us before, we had a good time and that was fun. Great time. We're all, 
we're all evolving. And now we're going to have, we have this show we've written for you and it's going to have, there's some improv that we have, you know, but we can riff on and change it up at each place so it stays fresh. But we've come up with something. But all that to say is we will be traveling and you all know that we like to have adventures. So we've reserved a part at the end of the show, which we call general fuckery. And we want to tell you (laughs) about things we've seen and done near you that might be exciting. Like when we were in Cleveland, we saw we were driving up and we saw Grandpa's Cheese Barn. Mm -hmm. Things rest in peace, Grandpa, by the way. Oh, yeah. It was his time. He's gone up to the sky to be with sweetie. Made out of that sweet Swiss cheese in the sky. (laughs) It's the moon. Full moon energy. The moon is made of Swiss cheese. There you go. People think heaven is up in the sky. It is. It's the moon. If heaven exists, you know, whenever James Lipton's like, if heaven exists, what would you say to God at the pearly gates? Mine would be, what kind of cheese we're serving today, big guy? Because my <laughs> heaven is just all cheese all the time. One long grazing table that goes mm. on forever and uh, is always replenished. Never ending. Like Hogwarts. Good- just like- shit just comes up right up there on the banquet table. <laughs> pops up out of you and then too you have good conversation or sometimes just silence so you just you and the cheese alone yeah the cheese stands alone well i want to ask if you're in tacoma portland denver salt lake city austin houston los angeles or san francisco and then we'll tell you the other cities once we've locked them down and there's something weird you think we should see it doesn't it could be cryptid it could be paranormal could be true crime I really also, we both love Americana. We love a cheese barn. We love a cheese castle. It doesn't have to be cheese themed. We love the haunted. If it is, we're not going to complain. Certainly not. So yeah, if you have some weird Americana near you, shoot it to us uh, in DM or an email or whatever, and we'll mark them down because uh, that general fuckery, if we don't have anything, you know, the show will just end, you know, it's not going to end early. (laughs) I talk so much, but we want to have like almost a show and tell of like we've hung out in your city. And we already know we're going to get some chowder from Dukes in Tacoma, oh. but in addition. I have thought about that chowder at least once a month since we were last in Tacoma. <laughs> and I'll have everyone know, we scheduled our flight around being able to get to Dukes at a certain time. <laughs> <laughs> you go, That's how good like, that chowder was. Hey, maybe what time in the flight here? You're like, well, what time does Dukes? What are their hours? <laughs> Can we get there? What if the sun's gone down? Will we be able? And then do we have time to do this? And it was like, we'll, we'll work out Dukes. I put it in the official itinerary. There's a link to Dukes, so we won't forget. We Gotta won't get forget. that. You out of flight. I'm so excited about that. Uh, Damn. Well, all that to say, let us know the weird, wild, wacky stuff in your city, and maybe we'll go and then talk about it at the show that you'll be at. Because you want to see if we're going to talk about it. And then you'll be like, I told him to go there. Yeah, I want it. I like, Or if you're like, there's a curiosity shop that sells whatever. Tell us. We might, If we have time, we want to go. I love to see stuff that ain't in my own backyard yeah. and get freaky. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, speaking of getting freaky. Hey. I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get freaky. This first one is from Leah. And it is called, Dude, Where's My Car? Hey, Christy and Heather. Huge fan. My husband calls you my Texas besties because I spend so much time listening and laughing with you guys. This is going to be long, so I'll dive right into it. It was the beginning of the summer after I graduated college, and I just moved back in with my parents. I'd spend the days applying for jobs, fearing the future, and at night, I'd usually go into town to meet up with a friend at our favorite bar. Most nights, I'd only have a drink or two so I could safely drive myself back home. Much later on, of course. This night started as usual. I parked my car in the garage across the street from our spot. 
went in to greet the bartender, and waited for my friend. Then I noticed someone, a guy who I'd been friends with when we were younger. He'd end up going to a different high school in the area, so we'd lost touch. I went over to say hi, we started chatting, and eventually he asked if he could buy my friend and me a drink. How nice, I thought. I'd love a gin and tonic. The next semblance of clarity I had after that was my friend and I together in a bathroom in an unfamiliar house. My friend could barely hold her head up, and I had no idea how we'd gotten there. I was able to snap into survival mode enough to get my friend's arm over my shoulder and tell her, we need to get out of here now. I dragged her out of the bathroom and straight out the front door. The guy followed us, shouting, hey, where are you going? You need to stay. I'd like to think I responded with, no, the fuck we do not. But I honestly don't remember at this point. All I know is that I was relieved to find that we weren't far from my friend's house, which we made our way back to and went to sleep. The next morning, my phone was dead and I was shaken. All I wanted to do was go home and forget the weird night. I sat on a walk to the parking garage to get my car. When I got there, however, the garage was empty. Ugh, they must have towed it. Unsure of what to do, I redirected to the nearby police station to see if they could tell me where to go. When I got inside and asked where the garage typically towed to, the officer at the front said, The garage didn't tow anyone last night. What the hell? Where's my car? They brought up last night's CCTV footage from the garage. And there I was with my friend, the guy, and his friend. We all hopped into my car and I drove away. What the hell? So I'm standing there like, I had one drink last night? I never would have driven blackout drunk. And I sure as hell wouldn't come to the police station inquiring about the location of my car if I had. Am I going to get in trouble? On the verge of tears, I told them what I remembered from the night before. They asked the name of the guy I was with, and I'll never forget the look they exchanged when I told them. Their demeanor instantly changed. They offered to charge my phone and sent someone out to search for my car. They asked if I was okay, if I needed to call anyone. They never said anything else. They found my car and let me go home. It was there that I googled the name of the guy. I saw an article announcing a rape accusation that had recently been brought against him. I don't know if he was ever charged, and I can't find the article now, so maybe not. He does have a documented harassment arrest from around the same time. I have no idea where he is now. Unfortunately, he's probably still out there roaming free. I don't know what caused me to suddenly come to in that bathroom, but I'm so grateful that I did. This is one of those stories that you block from your mind until you hear another story that triggers the memory. Thanks for providing a platform for people like me with stories like this. You guys are the best. Lots of love. Stay safe out there. Leah. Oh, Leah, I am so sorry that yeah. happened because you think you're just, oh, it's the guy I went to high school with. I'll just grab a sip and in the blink of an eye, you didn't even, you know, if you don't even take your eye off your drink or you turn your head for one second to check the TV or mm -hmm. look at the door, or you hear a sound or whatever. Or he goes to the bar to get it and yeah, just does it real. People that are capable of doing this and willing to, mm -hmm. very sneaky. They can they can do it without you even noticing. Uh, that's to lose time like that is so scary. 
Yeah, it does something to you when you like exactly what she said of, oh, okay, well, I'll just recount the night and figure out where my something as big as a car is Mm -hmm. that you think I would never like lose my car. But in a situation like this to watch also the almost that weird out of body experience of watching it's you, but you don't know it was you. You have no memory. And it's like, oh, my God, the fact that our motor skills can still function while that part of our brain that makes memories and makes choices and things is turned off the brain is a, a it is a wild, thing. yeah just muscle memory of how to drive what an idiot too for this guy is knowing he's drugged you and then letting you drive i mean <laughs> i'm super glad you and your friend were safe i hope this guy is in jail or somewhere where he can't cause harm to anyone else for sure well i wonder if knowing there's surveillance cameras around if it was some ulterior motive to have her drive and if there was some argument of you know how what capacity anybody was in to go well she was fine she drove us all home Mm. she drove us all back to my house and if he had prior charges you know it's sick but people that are habitual offenders of this type of crime almost like refine it and go oh well last time they said i drove her home so you know and so it just makes you stick to your stomach just thinking about how he is like you said we hope he's in jail or uh maybe he he got bonked on the head and won't do this anymore and has gone on the straight and narrow path because frequently uh absent significant rehabilitation you just kind of see that over Mm -hmm. and over and then it escalates it escalates but you came to at the right time yeah thank goodness that's uh all that matters you And that you got your friend out of there. You were like, this ain't happening. Right. Sinisterhood will be right back. Well, this next one is from C. And as the subject line will say, there's some wanking that goes on in this story. It's called The Beach Wanker. Hi, ladies. Love the podcast. Love you guys. You're doing such important work by highlighting what women face just by existing in society. And I thank you for that. All the recent stories about encounters with creepy men has prompted me to write one of my own experiences. Unfortunately, every woman you know most likely has a story like this. The year was 2005. I was 19 and living on my own in the big city the summer after my first year at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver. I had just received my pre-ordered copy of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, and I happened to have the day off my menial customer service job, so I decided to head down to the beach and spend the day reading. This beach is clothing optional, and a total weed-smoking hippie hotspot. Most people choose to go nude, but it's definitely not a requirement. It's also famously down a set of 490 steep, winding stairs, which are super fun to walk up after a day of boozing and smoking. Anyways, it was the closest beach to my apartment, and the vibe is usually chill, so I hauled my things down the steps and set up for some sunbathing and Harry Potter adventures. I didn't feel like going nude, so I left my bikini on. I hadn't been there long when the sky wandered over and said, you know you can go naked here, right? He was wearing a straw hat, sunglasses, and a sarong. Annoyed that he interrupted my reading, but also, at that time, being a young woman conditioned to be polite... I said, I know, I'm okay like this though, thanks, and went back to my book. Instead of leaving, he sat down on the sand beside me and started talking. It was then that I glanced over and saw that he was ever so casually jerking off, a foot away from me, while looking at me and talking about the weather. 
I was horrified. 36-year-old me would have screamed at him and caused a scene. But poor me at the time just froze up. TMI warning, but he finished the job right there on the stand next to me. And that was enough to put me into flight mode. I made up some excuse about having to go to work, threw all my things back into my bag, and got the hell out of there. Let me tell you, it was a blazing hot day, but I have never ran up those 490 stairs faster in my life. Almost 18 years later, I still feel gross thinking about him. I wish I'd made a scene or called the police or something, anything, but we never really know how we're going to react in a frightening situation. The absolute audacity of that asshole ruining my day and scaring me for his own pleasure. Thanks for listening, and I hope the beach wanker has a permanent sunburn on his wiener. Oh, my God. This is the one that made my jaw drop. Maybe I hadn't, I probably hadn't read this, the subject line yet, because mm. in the forum, the way we get them, I usually see the the context first. So that came out of left field. But somebody just sitting there diddling under his sarong, first of all, gross with your whole getup, a straw hat, sunglasses, a sarong, go home forever. But he has the audacity to just sit there like she doesn't know what he's doing. And I wonder if her being uncomfortable was part of what he liked, which Mm -hmm. is gross. I would like to say to 19-year-old C, you didn't Mm -hmm. do anything wrong. And Mm -mm. to 36-year-old C, it's helpful for me always to go, Wow, young me, you really would do a lot, buddy. Thank you for that. Because I'm I'm here now. I made it out. But that's 19-year-old me probably would have reacted the same way. You freeze mm-hmm. up. You've been taught not to be rude. I think now we've all come to terms with like, oh, our politeness, in fact, allow it doesn't allow it, doesn't cause it, but it makes it a, you know, he finished the job versus an older version of ourselves might do something different. So I am he glad. He probably wouldn't have gone up to a 36-year-old woman and sat down. Guys like this target younger girls because Mm -hmm. they don't, they, you know, there's a good chance that they're not going to argue. But I think Gen Z and Gen Alpha, is that what the new, I think it's Gen Alpha. They're, they're changing things and nobody's putting up with shit anymore, everybody. So knock it off. (laughs) Nobody's doing it. We're all chill just fucking chill out a friend of mine was telling me about her daughter who's around ella's age playing at a play place you know at a fast food restaurant with an older kid so she's you know five six and the kid was maybe 10 11 12 a boy and she's a girl and you know they're playing having a good time and she went to go eat her meal and he came over and said hey why don't you play with me and she said oh no thank you and then he came back and said play come play with me and she said no thank you and the third time he said come on come play with me and she turned and went I said, no, thank you, mm-hmm. and turned and ate her nuggets, and he slunk Period. away, and she was with her grandfather, who later said, uh, "I at that moment, I thought, well, I don't have to worry about her. She's, <laughs> but, it, you know, she's willing to say, I said, no, thank you, basically, mm-hmm. fuck off, but she's six, and she couldn't say fuck off. She's like, I'm trying to eat my nuggets. Get the fuck out. But on the flip side, I would hope that we, as a society, you know, people raising kids now, teach all kids, boy, girl, whatnot, Hey, if somebody says no, thank you, great time to get your ass back on the slide and, you know, fuck off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that, I think, at a young age, learning that someone going, oh, I'm good, that 
socially you go, okay, well, I should go. This guy sounds like has no sense at all because he was beaten off and coming in the sand. He jacked off to completion in the sand. Yeah, it's disgusting. I mean, people he, walk in that sand. I mean, that's that's the least of the problems. Yeah, but it's <laughs> but, also a problem. Yeah, this for sure. It's place. disgusting. It's but just to think that he thinks that he has the right mm-hmm. or like you said, he probably gets off more knowing that she's scared and also maybe like pretending like nothing's going on. Like, look. I'm just going to sit here and talk about the weather while I casually jerk off under my sarong. You son of a bitch. So, so fucking gross. And I'm so sorry, see, that you had to deal with that. But you know what? Sharing stories like this, maybe somebody younger hears it or older and they're like, that also happened to me. I'm glad I wasn't alone. Or now, if somebody comes and sits down next to you while you're trying to read a book on the beach and they ask you a question... Feel free to be like, I don't want to hear your bullshit. Leave. Yeah. Or you chuck the Harry Potter book right at their junk. That'll stop them. (laughs) Half-Blood Prince is pretty thick. They all are. I mean, this is good books to throw in the ocean right now. But at the time, no matter what book you're reading, you could throw off. And especially uh, in addition to the permanent sunburn on his wiener, I hope he got sand up his pee hole. Oh, Forever. (laughs) 100 well, times. Well, it's tiny. Those grains are hard to get out of nooks and crannies, so <laughs> there's a good chance it is forever. <laughs> Bye. Well, see, thank you for sharing that with us. Sinisterhood will be right back. Well, this next one is from Anonymous, and it is called The Time My Husband Bear Hugged an Intruder. Hello, I love listening to you too. Thank you for keeping me company and entertaining me through some of my more boring daily tasks. I'm going to tell you about a time about 15 years ago when my husband made the mistake of not locking our front door. He was wanting to stay up late working on rewiring his guitar. I'd gone to bed along with our son who was only a few weeks old and was in our room with me. We live in the middle of Tornado Alley and were expecting possible severe weather that night. So when my husband burst in the room yelling at me to call 911, in my sleepy confusion, I thought we were getting ready to be hit by a tornado. I jumped out of bed and then realized he was getting our gun. I then heard pounding and shouting coming from our front door. This was back when cell phones weren't such a big deal, and I didn't have mine close by. It was somewhere in my purse in the dining room. I began digging through my purse as my husband was holding the gun and yelling through the front door, If you come back in this house, I will shoot you. All the while, someone is still banging on my door and trying to get inside, yelling something I can't quite make out. I called 911 and police were there within a minute or so. We live in a super small town and literally right behind the police station. The person, now on my porch, screaming and still trying to ram my door open, I find out, is some woman apparently high on something who just barged into our house yelling some man's name and asking where he was. My husband got up yelling at her to leave, to get out, and that no one was here that she's looking for. She refused to leave, still yelling for this man. He told her again to get out. He's going to call the police. Get out of our house. She wasn't calming down and was still yelling and looking for this man that wasn't here. I somehow slept through all of this. I will say I was pretty much permanently exhausted at this stage in life. She then tried to walk to the back of the house where I was with our son. My husband grabbed her in a bear hug and with her kicking and hitting him, 
dragged her out of the house and threw her on the porch, locking the door behind him. That's when he came and got me and the gun. Once she was outside and I called the police, we were watching out the window as she then moved over to our neighbor's porch, banging on their door. We also saw there was a truck parked in the street with someone inside, who we assume was waiting on the lady. The police came and started talking to the person waiting in the truck and dragged the yelling hi lady back towards the truck. The cops basically threw her back in the truck and the truck just drove off. The police did nothing, didn't even talk to us, just got her into the truck and told them to leave and they were gone too. We've now lived here long enough that we've come to realize things happen all the time around here and the police do the absolute bare minimum to deal with it. There's a rampant drug problem here, and they don't want to deal with the arresting and paperwork of every person that's causing a scene. So they mainly just show up and make sure no one's in danger, then let everyone go. My husband was prepared to shoot this woman, as he didn't know what kind of danger she might pose. She was very clearly not in her right mind, and not able to be reasoned with. Yet, they just sent her on her way, hoping the driver of the truck could keep her under control. I'll never forget the confused chaos of that night. All the while, my infant son slept peacefully in his bassinet. I will say, my husband always locks the door now, though. Oh. Uh. Well, I've never had a baby, but I feel like the first few weeks are already confused chaos. Yeah. it's And to be exhausted at that stage of your life, very relatable for everybody. I get why you would forget to lock the door. I get how you could sleep through this all going on. It's you're exhausted. You're sleep deprived. This is terrifying, though. It, you're by yourself. This is terrifying. But then also knowing you have a newborn and your wife back there that you're also trying to protect. And someone's just unhinged and you can't reason with that. Like like they said, you can't reason with someone that's not in their right mind, you know, who should be able to. The authorities that you call to come help you out. Yeah, even if they don't throw her in jail, take, maybe take her to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for her own safety. Yeah, if she's so amped up and juiced up that she's literally punching through, like punching a door, fighting a grown man. And I think your husband did everything right. You can't just say, well, she's a lady. I can't. I mean, if somebody, anybody is attacking the house that you're living in with your infant in the back, fuck them. You got to do what you got to do. It's a threat. It's a threat to threat because, like you said, she is not in her right mind. Again, I don't want her to get injured. I don't want her to get arrested. She needs to go to the hospital. Yeah. Because you hear about cases like that where, oh, my gosh, they were whatever. They got a bad batch of something and God knows what they're on and tear something up or hurt somebody or bite somebody or whatever. Or she's having a mental health crisis. Something. Yeah. If they, It sounds like they have a high percentage of substance use mm -hmm. issues, which it's always you know, it shouldn't be criminalized, right? The right answer is health, safety. Uh, so just going, man, stick her in a truck, figure out what'll happen to her. It Maybe just take her to the hospital and have them check her out. Maybe give her a flush of fluids or something. I'm no doctor, but check her heart rate. That's so much adrenaline. Mm. Can't yeah, I mean, who knows what this guy in the truck was all about, but it seems like it wasn't a, a great situation. So yeah. Unfortunately, if we've seen time and time again, if you live in an area where things like this are more frequent, police tend to kind of become like numb to it and just sometimes turn a blind eye. They don't want to deal with it. 
Yeah, it's hard because you know you need resources, but it's more of a community resource of let's figure out why this person is this way. Is it a mental health problem? Is it uh, substances or whatever? Because otherwise, the worst case scenario, that's that happened in Dallas. In fact, that person who took Chantix, the smoking cessation. Oh, yeah. And had psychosis and went to their neighbor's house and banged on the door. And it ended up the neighbor sadly shot them Mm -hmm. because the person could not be reasoned with because of this medication effect. And it's just the catch 22, right? You feel bad for the person. They don't have the adequate mental state to know they're breaking into a house, but also they're breaking into your house. So as the receiving end, you're like, I had to defend myself. Mm -hmm. It just puts everybody in a hard situation. I mean, she's lucky she wasn't shot. Seriously. Yeah, seriously. No, thanks so much, Anonymous, for sending that in. That is, uh, lock the door. That's just a, uh, always a good thing to try to remember if you can. Well, this next one is for also from Anonymous. Given that it's Anonymous, we don't know. Could be the same one. I thought it was different, but it's Anonymous. Who knows? <laughs> I also like to pretend that every time it's Anonymous, it's actually the internet vigilantes anonymous that are sending in stories to us. <laughs> Before that became a thing, when I was younger, I thought I used to say, "When I have a daughter, I'm going to name her anonymous." And now that I'm an adult, also a lawyer, I'm like, that would have ruined her life. I've never heard you say that. <laughs> That's a secret fantasy i had as a child anonymous mckinney oh my well, gosh but then it would have been anonymous duro because howard duro the backstreet boy oh, I was anonymous duro but it is fun to like everything in school that you have to write is signed anonymous and then you can be like i don't know who wrote this like it's a get out of jail free card your entire life to get out of shit like it wasn't me it wasn't this anonymous but then yes we are legion expect us anonymous came and i thought well that's probably not <laughs> I'll, or I'll, that's how she gets into it and saves did. people from all sorts of internet predators. She will rise up and save us from what your husband was telling me about the robots taking over. So that's oh, cool God. and scary. Well, Anonymous, my daughter, Anonymous <laughs> Duro, thank you for writing this in. No, but for real. Anonymous, we appreciate you. The subject line on this one is paranormal meets true crime. I'm an older listener, and this story spans decades before it all came to light. About 40 years ago, I went to a psychic named Mia, and in the middle of the reading, she said, there's a spirit here, and she wants to be heard. She then proceeded to describe a woman with black hair and a widow's peak, just like my grandmother and her sister, and dressed in a brown and black checked apron, which she said represented sickness and death, sickness and death. She said the spirit woman was holding an oval-shaped metal pan about 14 inches in diameter, which would not sit completely flat because the bottom had been banged out from the inside. Meanwhile, I'm thinking, uh, can we get on with my reading and stop with the little commercial break? Then, Mia says, the woman is holding a dipper, like you would dip water with, which I figured sounded similar to a ladle. She said the woman, who I of course could not see, was walking over to an open door, which I also couldn't see, and was using the dipper to bang on the bottom of the pan and calling out the names Lucy and Elsie. Mia told me to ask an older family member if there were any relatives by those names. When I got home and asked my mom about the names, she said there had been an Elsie, but that her husband had shot and killed her. I then played my recording of the session for her. 
My mom's face became pale and she hurried out of the room. When she returned, she was holding the exact pan Mia had described with the banged out bottom. It had been among the belongings my grandparents had brought back from upstate Pennsylvania after a couple of my mom's aunts had passed. So, fast forward 30 years. I actually found the newspaper clippings and death certificate from Elsie's murder. Her husband, a former police chief and deputy sheriff, was drinking heavily for five months after their separation, then one day shot her in the front seat of her car in the driveway of her home. He was found about a mile away, passed out in his vehicle, which was parked behind a tobacco barn, according to the article. He received a life sentence for the murder. He also managed to marry again a few months before he had died. It turns out that Elsie was my mom's first cousin. Well, we love when we love a crossover, paranormal meeting, true crime. That is so eerie and specific. Yeah, the, the pan is a very specific thing. And to immediately connect that, it wasn't even like the mom had to think, well, maybe I'll go look through my stuff. Like instant, she knew exactly what was being talked about. And sickness and death. I mean, and that's... sickness and death. My husband. Right. Vows. It does sound mm-hmm. like a wedding vow kind of thing. But and especially if she was separated from this abusive husband and then was killed by him mia saying the spirit here is a woman and she wants to be heard Mm -hmm. that makes total sense that she's trying to break through you gotta find out who lucy is right there's got to be a lucy in this somewhere right i wonder if it's like a sister or another cousin but (gasps) what if it was the name of the woman he married before he died. Oh, if he got married again and then they were together and they both in the afterlife. Well, she said he also managed to marry again a few months before he died. Oh, weird. Yeah, it said the woman was calling those names out and banging on the pan. Would you think about it, too, if in life she banged on this pan to call people, get their attention and get their, you know, come on in for dinner. And then if she was trying to make contact from the other side... Our natural inclination is to say, oh, well, how I was heard in the natural world in life was to bang on this pot and scream. And so Mm -hmm. if she has, especially if you're getting a psychic reading and you're the ghost on the other side and going, oh, well, my family member is here to get this psychic reading. Maybe they'll be very open to this message. Then you're like, "Okay, all I need to do is be heard. Bust out the supernatural ladle, the supernatural (laughs) pot. And be heard. And she was heard. Finally, Elsie, mm-hmm. she was heard. And now her story was told. And we say Elsie's name and fuck her dead husband forever <laughs> that murdered her. You know, like he yeah, doesn't. For sure. It's like we talked about with the Pez outlaw and Docuary of the true winner, I guess. It's if anybody can be a winner in a sad situation is like you tell your story. Your story gets told. So maybe now Elsie will her soul can find some rest by her story being shared. I love that. That's beautiful. Well, thank you, Anonymous, my sweet girl, for sending Anonymous DeRoe. Anonymous DeRoe, thank you. Sinisterhood will be right back. Well, this next one is from Elizabeth, and the subject line is, My First Ghost Hunt. Hi, ladies. Today I want to tell you about some of my experiences from the first official ghost hunt I went on. I've had experiences throughout my life and would consider myself to be sensitive, but this was the first time I went on an organized ghost hunt with equipment and everything, so let's get into it. I'm an American, but I was living in the UK at the time. 
The friend I went with and I had bonded over our love of spooky things, and eventually, we decided to book a ghost hunt together. We settled on this location because it was near where we both lived. It was at an old military installation and had been used in World War II, I think by both American and British forces. It's now used as a museum housing artifacts like uniforms, radios, weaponry, and pieces of crashed planes. So, as you can imagine, there is all sorts of energy there. There were several buildings on the site we got to investigate, but most of our experiences that night took place in the main building. The group we booked with on this occasion does not tell guests information about the hauntings until the end of the night, and we arrived late and missed the history portion, so we had no idea what experiences we were in for. The friend I went with is a medium and was very vocal throughout the night about what she was seeing and experiencing. At one point, we were in a large open room on the top floor of the main building. I started smelling cigarette smoke, but my friend didn't. I walked around the other people in the room, but it didn't seem to be coming from any of them. Weird, but not totally unexplainable. At some point, I stopped to watch another group of people in the room using a Ouija board, and it was saying some strange things. Get her out. She needs to leave. Go away. She doesn't know what she is doing. Very clear, ominous messages. My friend stopped and asked who the board was talking about, and one of the people using it said, Well, you, since you're so sensitive. The planchette instantly went to no, and my stomach dropped. I instantly knew, but asked anyway, Are you talking about me? Yes, go away. So I was kicked out of the room by a Ouija board. We ended the night back in that same room in a small group, just seated in the dark. I was sitting next to someone I did not know, and my friend was across the room from me. At some point, someone else asked if the room had just gotten darker, and it had. Shortly after that, the woman next to me and I shouted, Oh my God! at the same time. Both of us had seen a tall, black shadow walk across the wall in front of us that no one else in the room had seen. It was clearly the shadow of a man, not just a shapeless blob. Lots of other things happened that night, but these experiences have stuck with me the most. My friend and I have since gone on many ghost hunts together. I'll see if she has any of the evidence we captured so I can send it in for future stories. I now live back in the U.S. and am a member of a paranormal investigation team, so clearly none of my experiences have scared me away. Keep it creepy, Elizabeth. Fuck. God damn, what a burn. You get kicked out of a room by a Ouija board? <laughs> you think. Roasted. You think. The Ouija board isn't going to pick on anybody, and then it picks on you? Fuck. No, it is, though. That sucks. <laughs> that you're like, oh. well, especially Elizabeth's like, I know it's going to say yes, but I've got to mm. ask. you got to ask. But also, get her out. She needs to leave. Maybe protecting she doesn't know what she's doing. Rude. First, you don't all. know. Unless it's like, she doesn't know what she's doing. Like, we're trying to protect her, get her out of here. You know what I mean? Dang. So it was not, the the spirit in this situation with the Ouija board was not impugning her abilities as a paranormal investigator, but it, it could have been warning her. Maybe she was opening or... Elizabeth was so sensitive that it was like the man with the black shadow will walk by if you don't mm. stop. And because Elizabeth was 
open and willing to, you know, you're sensitive. Accept it. Mm-hmm. Man, you've got the man out. It's like texting. It's hard to know the tone. <laughs> if if a ghost is trying to communicate you through a Ouija board, you don't know. It can be interpreted a lot of ways. So I'm just saying, I think as humans, our inclination is to be like, clearly this person is being negative. But try reading it like they're trying to help you out. And maybe it'll change your whole point of view about this experience. <laughs> it's like the whole thing with the thumbs up is rude or not. Yes. Yeah. Is that rude? Is it, I don't know. Is it rude to say it? You changed the emoji in our group chat with me and you and Tommy to somewhat discuss work things, but also we just send memes and dumb stuff on there. But you changed it to just the square emoji that says cool on it. (laughs) And so now, like, we finished a conversation of like, okay, well, maybe let's do this for the script and we'll do this and this, like a serious thing. And then I just get a text from Tommy just says cool. And then I was like, cool. (laughs) That's just how we end And then it'll just be cool, 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 cool. cool." cool. We all just say cool, cool, cool. Well, and so I wonder, you're right. It's like texting that this whole time with the Ouija if it's like we think it's going to be some like horrifying message it's like yeah or versus go away it's like get out of here yeah oh yeah maybe it's joking like get out of here Elizabeth what are you doing we talked the other night or it's like get out of here you don't know what's about to happen you're the chosen one please we got to protect you with the chosen one yeah well you're so (laughs) sensitive that can uh, I say before we move on to the last one that I've neglected because of the wanking to comment on the fact that this that beach is located 490 stairs <laughs> down from where you have to park and i just want to say it could be the most beautiful sunset in the world location i'm never gonna see it because i'm i might walk down them, but i'm sure as shit not walking back up them yeah so i live there if i walk down to see it i have to live on the beach you gotta take a tent with you you take Mm -hmm. you gotta take enough stuff to build quite frankly i don't want to because i know what's in the sand down there so no thanks yeah and i think you're not supposed to build anything on sand so except you know big tall pillars building castles definitely not a house of cards it would take a lot for me to want to go down to that 490 feet down i got bad knees crunching they're crunching <laughs> i'll make tommy go take pictures and then i'll just be like okay cool yeah i kind of saw it i'm good well similar to this place where elizabeth was at it sounds like a huge army base and you gotta really want to hunt ghosts it's like when we were walking around the cleveland the uh ohio state reformatory mm. this is huge oh yeah and to know that at any point you're like i walked all the way in here and the ghost is like go away you <laughs> bitch i won't be nope <laughs> I'm getting my steps in, so uh, I'm staying. Deal with it. I'm staying and deal with it. We got to figure out a way to get Ouija boards that maybe the planchette glows, and we explain to the spirits, blue is a chill vibe, red is aggressive, purple is sexy. Ooh. What other colors? Like this. Yeah. Ouija's. trying to think of a, what could we call it? I'll workshop it. We'll think of it. It'll Heather's come to looking us. up. It'll come to <laughs> the us. Wheels are turning. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out, and then we'll let you guys know next Freaky Friday what we're going to be calling this new invention. Our new invention. I bought an Aquanotes pad for Paris for the shower, and I've since written on it. So if it comes to me in the shower, I'll write it. Oh, shower thought. What is that? A board you can just like a dry erase board, but if it gets wet, it's fine. It's notepad, and it's special paper, and it comes with a pencil. I don't know if it's a special pencil, but. It, it's called Aquanotes, and the pencil says never let a good idea go down the drain again. And then I was in the shower today. I was actually thinking about the show, and as I was, I stopped 
shaved my legs and put the thing down and grabbed the pencil and wrote a couple of notes to myself and then continued on. That's fascinating. Is the paper like rubber? It's uh, it's got a certain consistency to it. It's a little bit. I'm gonna have to see one of these. I'll bring. I'll rip it off and bring it to you. Man, 2023 is really coming in hot. Who knew that that could even happen? <laughs> well, thank you very much, Elizabeth, and uh, maybe we'll go on a ghost hunt with you soon. Sinisterhood will be right back. Well, this final one, we got a little local flavor for you, uh, <laughs> Melissa, and the subject line is Dallas Alien Encounter and. I just want to say thank you for writing this in because you made me feel less alone because I feel like I saw a UFO in <laughs> Dallas. Why I ended with this one and I gave it to you is because hard relate from Heather also, coming your way. Also, when we were on your stoop, we were always just like, is that a UFO? We're in the flight path to Love Field. It's not. We're like, there's two UFOs together. They're going two different ways. Well, Melissa saw it for real. And this is her Dallas alien encounter. Hello, gal pals. Love the show. And I love that local ladies have made good. Y'all are amazing storytellers and comedy queens. Now, on to the story. I live on the east side of Dallas Love Field, university and lovers for the locals. So next to the airplanes, but not under the flight paths. And the airport is closed between 1 and 5 a.m. These encounters happened in 2014, but have not repeated since. I need complete darkness when sleeping. And any light, even in the deepest of sleep, when a light is turned on, it will wake me up. One middle-of-the-night night, I was dead asleep, but was suddenly awoken from a blazing orange light filtering through my blackout curtains that lit up my room like the midday sun. I have terrible vision and can't see much without my glasses, but half awake, I got up and went to the window thinking something happened to the curtain and was going to just move it back. The room was completely lit with the light when I got out of bed, but the two seconds it took for me to get to the window, the light was gone, and my room was pitch black again. I then picked up my glasses and looked out the window, but nothing was out of the ordinary. I turned to go back to bed, and then it dawned on me, wait, where did that light come from, and where did it go? The light vanished and didn't leave any afterimage in my eyes. I figured it was a waking dream and went back to bed. However, it happened two more times that week. Same blazing orange light and same disappearing with no afterimage or light sensitivity to the returned darkness. I was prepared the next two times and had my glasses on the ready for when I knew the light would wake me up. But every time, by the time I raced to the window, the light was gone and all seemed normal. There was never any sound associated with the light. It was quiet because it was winter and no AC units were running. And you would think if a light were that bright, there had to be some kind of sound associated with it. After that week, the light never came back, and I still live in this apartment. I never found a report about the lights over Love Field. So, what do you think? Alien or something else? I'm convinced it was an alien snooping around the airport. P.S. One night, driving down East Grand Street heading in the direction of Fair Park, I saw a lit-up oval vessel floating in the sky and I knew it was finally my time to see an alien. I wanted to get a better view and drove closer to Fair Park, and as the excitement rose, it was soon deflated, as it turned out to be the Goodyear blimp hanging out for Friday night football. I've never been more devastated. All the best for continued success, Melissa. 
Do you feel seen, Heather? I do feel seen, especially the Goodyear blimp. That's highly relatable. What was it that, well, when you were in Paris for driving, you were convinced you'd seen a UFO, and then you had to say a few days later, it wasn't. That was a plane. Later on, I've, <laughs> I was light outside, and then I saw the same thing, and it was very clearly an airplane. And I had my glasses on the second time, uh, which is makes a huge difference. There you go. Well, or it doesn't, because by the time you get there... It's gone. It's too late. Well, the light in the window is bizarre because normally you'd say, oh, it's probably construction. Well, you would just still see the construction apparatus, whatever. Shine. Or hear it. Yeah, you'd hear it, especially a generator at night, something that bright. Something that's the description was that it was completely lit. The room is completely lit. So something that bright, that had to have been an alien poking around. You know what else is by Love Field <laughs> is our... Uh, I say our, like we, uh, you know what? I take ownership of this town. You and I and Leanne went to the F- Frontiers oh, of Flight. Frontiers of Flight. Mm-hmm. We went to that. There's a lot of cool planes and stuff parked over there. So it does track, in my opinion, as an amateur ufologist, that if you were an extraterrestrial and you were trying to get a handle on what kind of space equipment we had, you say, oh, well, I see these commercial airplanes, you know, whether or not you can call it that. You see this regularity Go to the Frontiers of Flight. There's all kinds of shit there. Oh, yeah. There's like replicas of the Wright Brother planes. There's uh, uh, war planes. There's all sorts of stuff. Which I asked that tour guide if that was the actual Wright Brother plane. And he laughed right in my face. <laughs> and then I've been to that museum multiple times. There's a little girl in Ella's class that's had her birthday two years in a row there. Because they have a whole children's section. It's very cool. It's amazing. And all the people that work there are like retired vets and they just love talking about planes so much and i love talking to people that are passionate about what they're doing oh yeah just stoked on because the it's like the flying flapjack or whatever's there's that big ass round yeah thing looks like a ufo (gasps) maybe they own it it's theirs or they were like it's one of us we need to bring him back take him home (laughs) oh my gosh that's that's it they were on the hunt for that i don't i don't don't quote me on that it's called a flying flapjack. I think it is, though. I think it is called the flying pancake. The flying pancake, something yeah. like that. But it's a prototype aircraft that was developed in maybe the 60s or 70s. That it's wild looking. It is. It looks like a flying pancake. It 100% looks like an alien spacecraft. Now that we're- Also, I don't get how planes don't just fall out of the sky. Yeah. I'm not an engineer. This thing, though, looks more metally than a normal aircraft. Like, it shouldn't be able to go up and not just fall straight down. It's thick. It's like a toad, but a plane. It's <laughs> Yeah. Or it looks like a Roomba, possibly. That yeah, has yeah, like yeah. Little but wings made out of, like, solid steel. <laughs> and yellow. It's wild. <laughs> if you're in the area, check it out. It's a great museum. Check out the Frontiers of Flight Museum, where the docents are so nice. When you ask them, as I did, the Wright Brothers plane, I go, it has an engine in it? And he goes, yeah. And I said... I thought they just pedaled it with a bicycle and he laughed really hard. And then he went, oh, no, did you think that? And I said, no. And then I walked off because I did. And then I realized later there's a Mr. Show sketch where that's a a bicycle whirly gig kind of situation with Bob Odenkirk. No, it's not Mr. Show. It's Bob Odenkirk in a uh, it might be the whitest kids, you know, or birthday boys It's a birthday boy sketch anyhow a weird <laughs> reference and i wasn't gonna go back and explain it to him because i already sounded like an idiot so i don't think he would have got it no not at all but I'm if like, he had what if he'd been like oh do you mean like in the, the birthday boy sketch <laughs> god damn docent is 
on point. He, that's what they have to know everything. That's also it's a mixed the, bag. He's got knowledge about everything. The museum where the three of us stood under the planes that are hoisted in the sky, and we're like, "All right, fuck, Mary, kill, Blue Angel, this jet, or whatever." <laughs> and then very loudly, Leanne goes, "I would fuck," <laughs> and I was like, "Well, it's echoing because it's an airplane hangar, and now everybody knows what we're doing. We're standing under. First of all, we all agreed. I forgot about that. Fuck the Blue Angel, obviously. I think yeah, we all chose that uh, one, and then one of one was like a little biplane or like one of a little them had a monster face painted on the front yeah it was like a world a, war ii a snake or something kind of tough looking blue and yellow yeah. bright yeah and then the other one was Big like teeth. a private jet like a smaller private jet but yeah we were like fuck mary kill the plane <laughs> stupid so dumb. i'm glad you remembered that man i don't remember shit i'm glad i have you around to remind me of funny things that we've done that was a really good time yeah anyway frontiers of flight this episode is brought to you by frontiers of- i'm just kidding but i would go there it was fun go see the flying flapjack and uh check out see if that guy knows the birthday boy sketch i will say though i do think that back to Eliz- i'm sorry back to melissa's ufo or not ufo but extraterrestrial contact uh either they're on the ground trying to get their flapjack back or it's late at night extraterrestrial is just seeing who's home maybe it's like a goldilocks situation trying to find a place to crash realize that you're in there and is like oh turn the lights off polite it's their their version of you up (laughs) like just trying to just trying to get that booty call what are you doing (laughs) hey Hey, you up you want to see my flying flapjack (laughs) oh well melissa thank you and uh man i'd like to see the goodyear blimp do they still have that it's around. It'll probably be at Super Bowl this uh, I weekend. I think so. I don't know that I've ever seen it either. If that in the Wienermobile, uh, the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile, you hear about them, but you never see them. We got to go. We got to track them down. Again, if you're in Tacoma, Portland, if you're in any of these places and you have odd-shaped things, we'll go see that too. We'll go uh, see it. Well, to a degree. If you, We'll go see some odd-shaped things that are legal for us to see. <laughs> Please don't send us things that- like Area 51? No, like dick pigs. Oh, no, no, no. God, I'm not calling for that. Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. What did that kid say? No, I said no. No, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a great way to say go fuck yourself without saying it. So In uh, five-year-old language. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Melissa, and everybody for sending these in. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sending in your Freaky Friday stories. If you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, you had a brush with true crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being, send them in at SinisterHood.com slash Freaky Friday. And as we said at the top of the show, don't forget we are on tour. Our very first tour date is March 7th, starting in Tacoma, Washington. Right away, we're going to Portland. And then we're headed to Denver, Salt Lake City, Los Angeles, Houston, Austin, San Francisco, all over. And more cities are coming. Get your tickets now. VIP tickets are going to include a 45-minute Q&A after the show with us. So we're going to, you know, turn up the house lights, hang out with y'all, chat for 45 minutes. You also get a very dope poster that we're going to sign it for you so we'll have unsigned posters for sale along with t-shirts at the show but as part of the vip package you get a poster included that we will sign for you and then we'll take a group photo at the end it'll be super fun and hopefully a very good use of your time so you have to wait in line only to talk to us for a few seconds we all get to hang out and talk for 45 minutes so go to sinisterhood.com slash live shows get your tickets uh while while you can before they sell out Mm mm-hmm
We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost, so if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the Rolling the Airwaves and Getting Into It tier, a special shout-out on the show. Someone today DM'd us and said, I got my shout-out today and I squealed with delight. And that's what <laughs> we love to hear because we want to recognize you. You also get monthly bonus mini-sode, patron-exclusive video and audio content, which includes... Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, True Crime Headlines, and so much more. And our patrons in the Getting Into It tier are able to vote on a bonus content segment each month they would like to see us live stream. Last month we did hometown Facebook posts. This month we got something different for you in the hopper. Also in the Getting Into It tier, you get to vote on a main feed episode. So right now we're in the middle of our Khalil Wheeler Weaver two-parter. After that is going to be our Patreon voted on Subject. So check out Patreon so you can vote and decide what we're going to cover. Sam, the sound down mm-hmm. clown, y'all chose it, and what a delight. So, what a delight. You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast where you can ask us all your burning questions. For our patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, which saves you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. And those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. I like t-shirts. I wear them all the time. And my favorite kind of t-shirt is one that shows off something I love. And if you're listening to this, I think maybe you like Sinisterhood. Maybe you even love it. In which case, for the first time, why is it the first time? You tell me. I don't know. But for the first time, we have a t-shirt with our logo on it. It's beautiful. It's black. It's got some purple on it. I have one, Christy has one, and we're going to get some for, we're going to make everybody in our family Sinisterhood models, and you can too if you just go to Sinisterhood.com and click shop on the top banner. We got the logo tee, but we also have stickers, mugs, totes, clothes for the kids, all that good stuff. Just go to Sinisterhood.com and click shop on the top banner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. You can also share any episode by clicking the three dots in the top right corner and share topic-based playlists from Spotify by visiting Sinisterhood.com slash playlists. All of this means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. We are also on YouTube and TikTok at Sinisterhood Podcast. Christy, where are you at on the World Wide Web? I am on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and Twitter and TikTok at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I'm on Twitter at MCK versus the world and I'm on TikTok and Instagram at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sinister. Hope.